I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fish Stripes Unfiltered, episode 26. Uh, fresh off the Marlins losing three out of four against the Dodgers. Sandy went all nine, which was probably the story of the series, but we won't get into that. Just about before spring training started, or right when it started, we made a podcast doing five bold predictions for the MLB season, for the Miami Marlins season. And we're going to go back to those and take a peek at what we said. Some of them may have been really bad. Some of them could be really good. So we'll look at them. And as always, I have my co-host, Isaac Azut. We have Eli Sussman here, managing editor of Fish Stripes. Isaac, what's up? Uh, I'm kind of excited to look back on these. We were looking at them just prior to starting the the, uh, podcast. But and some of these are really bad the way they ended up being. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to go over them to see how naive we were six, seven months ago before the season. Spring training, hopes were high. And, you know, you'll see how, you know, even experts like us, we can be we can be wrong sometimes. But I see this is episode 26. So, what, we've been doing this for exactly a year now? So, mm-hmm. that, so that's something to to acknowledge. It's been a pleasure doing this with mainly you, Kevin, Eli, for, you know, doing all the behind-the-scenes work for a whole 52 weeks. So I'm very excited to get into the show. Yeah, and all of our guests, thank you as for, to all of them who may be watching. So, Eli, what's up? <laughs> HD Eli, we have HD Eli in the house. You can see him perfectly. What's <laughs> up, Eli? And I'm excited to look back at these. Well, at least you are. Yeah, I, I understand. Am. I understand why you guys are. Not not my finest year when it comes to bold <laughs> predictions and all that stuff. 
But as echoing what Isaac said, yeah, it's been right around one calendar year since we started up Unfiltered, doing every other week. And I'm very proud of the way that you guys have set up the show and coordinated things and started discussions, everything that you guys have done. Keep it up. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yep. So I think it's just time to go right into them, take a peek at what we said and what we may not have said. Y'all ready? Jesus Luzardo will rank second on the Marlins and in innings pitched. Unfortunately, Luzardo did go on the 60-day IL, so but he has been good and he's currently pitching right now. Yeah. So Isaac, if, if you want to get into your prediction why you made it and how that has turned out, not yeah, good. Today on August 30th, he struck out Randy Rosarena. He's looked very good for a while. He's been on the mound. He did have that rough start when he was pitching to that injury that placed him on the IL. That was originally a forearm strain. He was pitching really well until that point. He he got roughed up in Arizona. And ever since he's been back, he's had some really special performances. He had a really great game against the Los Angeles Dodgers. He pitched well against his former team. And, you know, it's always hindsight is always 20-20. But, you know, if he's healthy, he I think he easily pitches those second most innings on, on this team. Maybe him and Pablo would be close. But so far, I'm 0 for 1 in my bold predictions. But at least that one was somewhat, eh, maybe a little bit feasible. All right, so I think we just go right into the second one, which, once again, Eli is now 0-1. Jazz Chisholm will lead the MLB in stolen bases. John Birdie leads it, so yeah, we were onto something when a Marlin would lead there. So, Eli, if you want to get into that one quickly there. Yeah, not just a Marlin, but the fact that I believe the Marlins as a team are also yeah. leading the majors in steals. I was on a – maybe I get a quarter of a point for that. Either way, <laughs> even if Jazz had been completely healthy this year, doesn't run as often as Birdie does, and that's a lot because he was hitting so many extra base hits this year, so it wasn't even in position to steal bases because he was moving himself in a scoring position individually. He, he had a obviously an outstanding first half as of – um, recording this, there's still a shred of hope that it could be back at the end of the year. They're still waiting for clearance for him to begin baseball <laughs> activities. So any chance of that went up in smoke with the back injuries. He had a couple of nagging injuries early in the season. And then while rehabbing that back right around the all-star break, diagnosed with a stress fracture. And that is what has kept him out ever since the first half of the season, unfortunately. Either way, I mean, from what we saw when he was healthy this year, he was he took a nice step forward as a player, a deserving all-star. So he is one of the brightest of the bright spots on this Marlins team. And when you look around the Marlins community and people are kind of negative about what's happening right now, I, I feel like just Jazz getting back healthy hundred percent, whether it's at the end of this year or just being certain heading into next year, he all by himself, he makes a big difference on how this team performs, especially offensively. Yeah. So <laughs> We were on some, we, you were on to something there. Unfortunately, it wasn't Jazz, but the Marlins do lead, and, and it was John Birdie. So, my prediction was, he was, yeah, he was so. he's a little screwed there because I remember asking Jazz in spring training. I don't know if Eli was there, if someone was there, and I asked Jazz, like, are you, you and Marte, Starling Marte, going to be competing there? He's like, yo, I'm not going to be stealing as much bases, as many bases this year. 
I don't, I don't know why he said that. I, he gave the reason. I just, I yeah. Guess. Well, I mean, weighing on that, I also, I spoke with Jazz separately, not in person, but I spoke with him over Zoom during spring training as well. And this was after the this the show that the live predictions that we did, where he kind of echoed that feeling that um, he had a lot of confidence. As it turns out, didn't age very well, but he said he had a lot of confidence in the rest of this Marlins lineup to drive him in, and he was very conscious of not making unnecessary outs on the bases. For most guys, um, Birdie's kind of an exception where, I mean, if you go all the time, usually your success rate is not super great. So with him, um, that that take aged very badly almost immediately, even before the season started, as as Isaac pointed out, like Jazz had been mentioning, that he wasn't really all that obsessed with stolen bases as he may have been earlier in his professional career. Yeah, so with him, and of course with the Marlins helps moving forward with Jazz, it's more about the bat than it is with the legs. If his bat is what it was while playing up the middle, he's an immensely valuable player. Yeah, so next one was mine. Sandy will have a winning percentage and receive NL Cy Young votes. That is 100% correct, so I'm least one bold and oh. one ever. That was the least bold one. I, I had to get a safe one in there, and I think this was my safe one. So, yeah, Sandy, I think, is 10 and – I want to say 6 or 10 and 4. 11 and, and 6. Or 10 and 6 or 11 and 6, yes. Yes, and he, he will win the Cy Young. That's, that's a fact. And now it's just a matter of if it will be unanimous or not. So if anyone has anything to say on Sandy, you guys probably spoke about it earlier today. We're, again, filming this after Fish Stripes Live for the Rays series. So this guy's incredible. He's the best pitcher in baseball, and it's by a wide margin at this point because his runner-up, who would have been Tony Gonson, just got injured, uh, went on the IL. He didn't make a start in Miami, and the Cy Young Award will be his, and it'll be unanimous in my opinion, I think, unless that one or two people will vote either Tony Gonsolin or – Someone else who they think should be the Cy Young winner. I've enjoyed Kevin having this very strong stance about Sandy and the Cy Young. Um, you've, you've been on this for a few weeks now, like not even taking any conversation about it, knowing how obvious it is. I, I agree with you. I just pulled up the earlier today, I pulled up the, the betting odds on him, and he is like the implied chances of him winning the Cy Young are like 80% at this point. He's far and away the front runner. The season's not over yet. So we just hope that he stays healthy. At the very least, your bold prediction is almost a lock because that winning yeah. percentage is going to be there. And even if his arm fell off tomorrow, he's still going to receive some votes for what he did this year. The combination of working deep into games and preventing runs and just being so consistent start after start after start against almost every single opponent. It's been such a blessing <coughs> to watch. It's in the conversation of maybe the best individual pitching season we've seen in Marlins history. And yep. as we all expect, it will be the, the first one in Marlins history for someone to actually win the Cy Young. Yeah, let's just – there's still some games to be played uh, in order to solidify himself. And uh, regardless, the team feels so confident in him moving forward. That's one of the best contracts in baseball that any player is signed to. This is just the beginning of another half decade beyond this. So let's go to your prediction. This is, I guess, the first bad one. <laughs> Anthony uh, Bender will record 30-plus saves this season. Isaac, <laughs> the floor is yours. Yeah, so um, I sort of ignored his second-half struggles. I ignored the fact that, you know, the crackdown on sticky stuff would affect him this much. Opening day blows the first opportunity he gets, and he loses his closer's role almost instantly. I don't know who lost it quicker, Anthony Bass last year or Anthony Bender this year. 
I don't know what it is with Anthony's pitching the ninth, but they've struggled. Bender underwent Tommy John surgery today on August 30th. So, yeah, just I, I don't know how many saves he ended up recording, if any. Like um, seven single digits in the single, single digits. Digit. So, yeah. you know, even if he was a closer all year long, I don't think he even gets a 30. So I will stand by that one and say that's a loss on my part. Yep. So you're 0-2. Uh, I mean, there's not much more to say as well. He did get injured, so that kind of did ruin right. your chance even more. So, Eli, if you have anything on Bender, if not, we can move on. Well, Bender, I liked what we saw in a very small sample once he came back from the initial injury, yeah. which was a back injury. He looks much better there than he did during the start of the season. But I, now you just don't know exactly what to expect with him out with, with Tommy John. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. And there have been a handful of pitchers in this organization that have all torn their elbows and need to have Tommy John this year. It's yeah, it's, it's very frustrating for him, but he'll be back eventually. And uh, I, I trust him to be a decent contributor to this bullpen whenever he does get back healthy. Yeah, and Eli mentioned another Tommy John guy. So they have, I think, four. Paul Campbell was very early in the year. We remember that one. Max Meyer got it in the you know second start, taking out Bender Poteet. I think that those are the four guys, unless I am missing one more. You're missing one obscure one, Sean Gunther. Sean Gunther, really yeah. Hurt. He got yeah. hurt even before the season started. Before the season, yeah. It was during the lockout, if I'm correct, right? Around that time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was reported around that time, but when we got into the season, right, that was a thing, yeah. So your prediction, Eli, you said Brian Anderson will be dealt before the end of the season. Uh, he did not get dealt. His name was probably thrown out there a couple times, but uh, just your thoughts on that prediction and how it's turned out, which he's still on the Marlins. I, I think it was a fine prediction. It got foiled by injuries, plural. He missed a lot of time, and he was a, he's been inconsistent both offensively and defensively this year when he was around. But it was really the that latest injury. I don't even recall exactly what it was that kept him out for a few weeks between June and a lot of July. But he's he's back now. And with him, it had a lot to do with his contract status, the fact that next year is going to be his final year under club control. And we've talked about that. They just they have a lot of these veterans in similar situations between him and Miguel Rojas and Joey Wendell that all of them are nearing free agency. And there's probably not a single one of them that's indispensable. So you look for opportunities to deal them in order to address a different need and shed a little bit of money off the payroll. So I feel like he would have been a good candidate to move at the deadline. The team, as we found out, they were sellers for the most part at the deadline, but they didn't do very much selling a lot just because of guys that they wanted to move who were injured or were underperforming a lot. And I think he would have had some value to a contending team if he was totally healthy in July as somebody that plays both third base and the corner outfield spots. He's, he's a really useful ball player and I still think he's a trade candidate entering this offseason. So we'll see about that. Yeah, that's where I wanted to go with, with Isaac here. Do you think they trade Brian Anderson? And what type of value would he bring back? Unless you would attach him with another player, which would be the ideal situation with a guy like Brian Anderson, injury prone. You really don't know where he's going to end up playing permanently because we know he's been playing a lot of right this now since coming back from the injury to not re-injure that shoulder again. So what would his value look like? And do you think they, it's better just to attach him with another player? It's a very, very good question. I don't know what they will do. If I were gonna, if I were to guess, I think they trade him. Now, whether that's the right move, it's a very tough one. You don't have someone with as much offensive upside. You know, I think he still has a lot of that. 
you guys mentioned it with on defense he's been inconsistent that shoulder i think he's whether he's afraid to dive to his left right it's it's weird i like him in right field a lot but then they have all these young guys playing the outfield playing you know right and left verdict blade and carnacion to play some right field obviously Soler. they have a lot of guys in the outfield so i just don't know if there's room for him but at the same time they don't have a lot of you know five tool players like brian anderson he's a five tool major leaguer you know he hits he hits for power he's got a cannon of an arm he can field wherever you put him i know this year was different at third and he can run so I think it would be a little bit of a mistake to trade him. We've got to see what his value is at this point. He's had a pretty decent time since returning from the injured list. Yeah. But he's one of those really strange ones. You know, the GM was never very high on him. You know, she said she wanted to see more. Well, she hasn't been able to. I'm just – it's a very it's a very interesting one with Brian Anderson. I don't know what they will do nor what they should do. They should trade an infielder. I don't know if it should be Brian Anderson, but we'll see where they go there. But – you, you know, it's it's a weird situation due to his injuries mainly. And there's times where he's just on the high. He's playing very well. Then there's moments on the lows, where especially in that series in New York where he basically cost the team the game there. So let's look at the next prediction. This was mine. Isaac loved this prediction when I mentioned it. Joey Wendell will lead the Marlins in hits. This is wrong. He is fifth. He has 69 hits. Nice. And the leader is Jesus Aguilar, who's not even on the team with 98. So... If anyone wants to get into this one, I mean, it made sense at the time, the type of player Joey Wendell was and we were going to get from him. Just a guy who's going to get on base at a high percentage, and that's what he's done. But <laughs> injuries have really derailed him here twice. He had the first one, and then the day he got back from his injury, once again going on the injured list. So, Isaac, do you think this was something that could have been tr- possible if injuries really didn't derail him here? Yeah, for a lot of reasons. One, you know, Aguilar being – DFA'd and Avi getting hurt and Cooper being hurt a little bit and really struggling. This could have easily happened if Wendell had stayed healthy. And the fact that they're giving Wendell so much playing time, he's already closing on 300 plate appearances. I think going into the season, they didn't expect that. They didn't expect to work him so hard, but he's had to out of necessity. So, yeah, you know, I, I would even say eh, there's a chance. You know, Miguel Rojas, the one guy who's probably going to end up leading the team. But, you know, Rojas really struggles and Wendell is really hot. It could happen. So, you know, I wouldn't say you're over th- or one for three yet or whatever it is. So the good, good, very good prediction. Yeah. Well, something that's going to be worth examining after the year is what happened to Wendell even after returning from his injuries. It's been kind of under the radar, but he hasn't just, he hasn't really hit very well during the second half of the year or even dating back to June. You know, he got off to a great start. He continues <laughs> to make a lot of contact and he comes up in some signature moments, but overall offensively, he, he just has not been very productive for this later portion of the year. So I'll, I'll be interested in diving into what specifics changed about him. This, as you said, this looked very good early on in the year, and, but not just because of the injury, just when he even returned from the injury, he hasn't been as valuable as they wanted down the stretch. And that has played a little bit of a role in why offensively this team has been in such an extended rut because not even Joey Wendell has been reliable for them lately. Yeah, looking at his post All Star stats, he's hitting 235, 257, 311, 568. So, yeah, it's not been good for Wendell. And the last question I'll ask here to Eli is what is the best case scenario entering 2023 with Joey Wendell as a starter? Or would that be worst case scenario, having him as the starter? Because when we for, when the team first acquired him, we, we expected super utility type guy, the John Birdie esque player, just an upgrade from that. Or would the best case scenario be him starting or 
being the utility guy we all expected him to be playing around that 110, 120 game range. For this season, what I thought we'd see eventually this year is that they would move into like a platoon with him and Miggy Rowe at shortstop. Yeah. And they'd find more powerful bats at, for, well, Jazz at second, and they'll be able to figure something out at third base. And they never really got into that arrangement. When Miggy has been healthy, he's been starting at shortstop almost every single day. It's only been a handful of games that Wendell has played at short. I'm, I'm curious to see how they use him. I, I think it is more... Because you say utility, but also John Birdie is kind of a utility yeah. guy. And then Luke Williams is a poor man's utility guy, who I guess when both Wendell and Birdie are healthy, then Williams is the one that gets squeezed off the roster as well. I still like him as a player, and I still, still think he can <laughs> help him win. And he's, But at the same time, he might be somebody that has considerable trade value despite his offensive slump just because of how versatile he is how fundamentally sound he is and how good he was for a lot of 2021 as, as with a lot of these veterans, you know, it wouldn't really shock me if they made some sort of trade this off season with him. But I, I would lean towards the fact that he's going to be around next year. And he's, if not every day starter, he's, he's going to get pretty considerable playing time at those different infield spots. Yeah. So let's move on to the next one. This is Isaac's prediction. Sandy and Pablo will finish top five in the NL Cy Young voting. Pablo, maybe not anymore. But Sandy, yes, we already covered that part. Pablo just went kind of on a downward spiral and then up again and down again. He had his moments that pretty much kept him out of the Cy Young race. Because if he kept playing April the way he was playing in April or pitching in April, I'm sorry, and kind of in May, he would definitely be a top five Cy Young candidate in my opinion. But Isaac, if you want to get into your prediction here. Yeah, you if we were looking at this in May. It would have been a slam dunk. But, you know, yeah. uh, Pablo did go into a tiny bit of a slump for his standards. You know, he's still one of the better pitchers in Major League Baseball. But, yeah, I, I think this whole season looks a lot different. Well, not too different, but, you know, it's a little bit better for Miami if both of those guys would be at their best and in the top five in the Cy Young voting. So it was a little optimistic of me to say they would both finish there. Sandy, one for two. So I guess I get a half point for that one. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and so let's move on to Eli's prediction. Another one that did not age well at all. After getting off to a good start against the Braves, they won the first series, I believe. That was when they were on their lowest. And then Eli said Marlins will win their season series against the Braves. I don't know if you have the record for Marlins and Braves, Eli, but if you do, if you could share that one and talk a little bit about your prediction. I will delay for a few seconds as I try to pull that up. I believe at the moment the Braves haven't clinched the season series yet, so there's still they still have a pulse in this. They could still pull off a miracle 
they would have to go undefeated against the Braves in the last six games. They'd have to win six straight against the Braves in order to make this come true. So it's not looking good at the moment um, as the season has gone on. Yeah, those games have been lopsided as they were for in recent years. The Braves have been better than I thought. I mean, they are performing better in the regular season than they did last year. They are still in they might win 100 games, if not very close to that. And they are still sticking around behind the Mets in that division race longer than I think most people thought that they have. As they continue, the story this year has been seeing how they get amazing contributions from their rookies, from Spencer Strider, from Michael Harris II, from this, this new guy that they just called up, this other infielder who has hit the ground running, Vaughn Grissom. As well, and the ability that they're able to integrate these guys so seamlessly and to have them turn out to be sometimes better than the players that they're replacing, it's it's hard to really wrap your mind around like how they do it. They are a pretty model organization, and that is shown up in the head-to-head matchups between these teams. It hasn't always been the usual suspects. You know, it's been a little bit of a cunha, but obviously Freddie Freeman is gone. It's just the rest of the team. It's it's I guess that starts with. I could, I could go all day just naming all the star power that they have, but this Braves organization is in an amazing spot, and the Marlins should be pretty envious of them. Yep. Uh, so I think we can move on to the next one. Marlins will have the best interdivision record in the NL East, posting the highest winning percentage in the NL East head-to-head matchups. So yeah, no, this is horrible. On my end, at the time, I was on a high. I thought Miami usually played well against the division. They did against Washington. They beat them every single time except once, which was that extra innings game in Miami. But Phillies, after getting off to a pretty good start against them, they couldn't get it going. Mets, they've never had their, they've never had anything good against the Mets. I think they've lost every series against the Mets, if I'm correct, unless he split one four-game set, which I don't think they did at all. And the Braves are the Braves. We just spoke about that one. Uh, it was good last year. Last year, they definitely had some of these teams' numbers, except even the Braves at one point in the season. But no, this was a bad one on my end. And uh, hopefully next year it comes to fruition and it's correct. So we'll move on to Isaac's prediction. This was another one that uh, at the time it looked pretty good. It looked like it could happen. But yeah, no, the guy's out for the year. Yuri Perez making his MLB debut. Isaac, floor is yours to talk a little bit about this one. And he's out for the season, by the way, but he'll start in AAA. I believe he should start in AAA 2023. And you're muted. And you're muted. Yes. I don't know if it looked good at the time. You know, I think it was a pretty, it was one of my bolder ones for sure. But, you know, if you just thought that if he did this well at double A, why wouldn't they just give him a start in September? It wasn't so much making his debut and having a couple starts. It was more like giving him one major league start at the end of the year. Obviously, he's, you know, arm fatigued. They're going to be extremely cautious with this, with this young guy. Still just 19 years old, all the way in double A, pitched very well, minus one or two outings. So I think next year he will definitely make his major league debut. I don't know if that'll be bold enough for, for next spring training's episode. I do agree that he will make his debut next year. So this was by far the funniest prediction. <laughs> Eli's prediction here, six of oh. Sanchez will make will return and stick in Marlins starting rotation throughout the second half of the season. Prediction made before Sixto Sanchez addressed the media and shared troubling details about his rehab from shoulder surgery. Eli, I'll just let you talk about this one, why he thought it was a good one. And he he was making progress until now, which mm. huge step back, get some mm. discomfort there, mm. and he's back to throwing 60 feet. Now, the reason why it's written out like this, this is from the article page of the predictions I put out. It was within 
days of the bold prediction show where he showed up to spring training and like the vibe was pretty apparent that he just was not close to baseball activity. It was clear to me from the beginning that they just couldn't expect anything from him this year. But I should say it wasn't clear to me when we did the predictions, but it was clear to me as of opening day, you know, before the season started. Once that came around and it was clear that they were taking it as slow as possible with his rehab and the vibes around it and what I was able to gather from people close to the situation is that his shoulder is cooked and it is unclear if he'll ever be a major league pitcher again. Like it's, it is very much up in the air. It's a rare situation where somebody so young is already doubtful to like make it back to where he was before his injury, but that's the nature of the injury and the way that his body has responded to it. So it's, it's pretty devastating at this point. And there are some people still hanging on to hope that he'll make it back um, that if not as a starter, then at least as a shutdown reliever. And that, that ship has sailed in my opinion, unfortunately with him, he, there's really no overstating how exciting he was just a year and a half ago entering the 2021 season. And now this injury has totally changed everything. And it's going to be up to the rest of the pitching in this Marlins organization to step up and cover for his absence. Yeah. It sucks to see a guy like six. So, because this, you know, when the team was at its highs 2020, this guy was pitching in the rotation and he had some good starts. Uh, he pitched against Tampa. Coincidentally, that team they're currently playing today. So, yeah, it sucks to see um, Eli or Isaac, whoever wants to answer this one. What would if you said Sixto would throw another pitch in the major leagues? Would it be in twenty twenty four? I don't know. I I don't know. No, all right. Well, yeah, you're saying the bar pretty low for one pitch. There are there are a lot of guys who throw one pitch in the majors and don't matter whatsoever. I mean, you see them every single year. He, I don't I don't think he's ever going to be even the pitcher that he was in 2020. I think that's the way that this injury has impacted him. Yeah. And it's going to take just a really it's going to take it's kind of out of his control at this point. Well, it, it's it's out of it's hard to really see the path for him to get back. He needs to find like the right remedy in order to rehab this properly. The indications from when he was on the mound even this summer were just not good that this stuff was not the same as it was. So if I had to pick whether he'll pitch in the majors again, I think he will pitch in the majors again. I just don't think he's going to be a positive, impactful player. And that entire career that we dreamed about him has totally been uh, derailed by this. So focus your hopes and dreams on other pitchers in this organization. Yeah. Fortunately, they are, there are a lot of ones with great potential that could do something similar to what he was originally forecasted to do. Dax Fulton's there. Jake Eater is going to come back. So those are two names to keep an eye out for. We'll go into my prediction, which, once again, another wrong one. Max Samar will make 10-plus ten, ten MLB starts. At the time, what, he, he made two. So two and, like, one of them was, like, an inning and a half. But he was projected around to, to make around that many starts when he did come up, if I'm correct. So I guess that would have been a, that would have been a slam dunk at the time. Not anymore. Not much more to say. Max Meyer pitched one at one game against Philly, then half an inning against um, the Pirates, which he he was pitching with Tommy John with the, yeah with some issues there. So Isaac's prediction, which I'm which still holds some hope, Miguel Rojas will win the NL Gold Glove at shortstop. This one could happen. This one definitely could happen. He's had a really good defensive season, Isaac. So if you want to get into that one, uh, did I say win? No, I would have said um, finish the final. But yeah, no, he has. While it hasn't really come around for him with the bat as much as he would have liked, he has been as expected shortstop. 
playing there almost every single day, like we talked about earlier. And yeah, he has been one of the top three best short defensive shortstops in all of baseball. Even, you know, with not an incredible arm, he's still able to make fantastic plays, the speed in which he just gets rid of the ball. He's a great defender at short. And I think he's what, plus nine or 10 defensive runs saved. So yeah, yeah. Usually the gold gloves go to more sexy names, you know, but I think there's a chance that he could win it. So that one is TBD. And then Eli's final prediction, which was to wrap it all up here for him, Avisael Garcia will lead all Marlins players in wins above replacement. Eli, I'll just let you talk about this one because, yeah, this probably was the worst one predicted here, or the worst outcome out of all of them, if we could say. Yeah, as it turns out, all of us have higher ward this season than Avi Garcia does. He's been the negative. He, coming off, obviously, they, they gave him the contract that they did last offseason because he was coming off a very good year as an all-around player with the Brewers as an everyday right fielder. Not quite a 30 home run hitter, as some would lead you to believe, but close to that. Good power and good athleticism in right field and up and down, relatively good durability for somebody that is still supposed to be in the prime of his career. And everything just went wrong kind of right out of the gate could see it really in spring training he maybe some of it starts with the fact that his conditioning was not what you would have hoped for i mean you could visibly see the difference in him physically compared to 2021 and i wonder how much the lockout may have impacted him in that way or for whatever reason he's just physically a little bit different this year it was also probably more so just about the swing decisions that he was making just terribly undisciplined perhaps pressing too hard to validate that contract, just putting himself in terrible counts and not hitting for power. And even the injury is a little bit of a setback as well. So he still has, he'll have a little bit over a month to pull off the impossible um, because he is chasing in the war department. Sandy obviously leads the team. So by my calculations, if he hits about 800 in September and with what, like 20 home runs, in that month, is that too much to ask? Hit 800 with 20 home runs, then maybe he can prove me right. Anything short of that, and it's not going to work out. All the Marlins can hope for is that he plays solidly down the stretch. Let's lower the bar as long as he looks at least like an average everyday player and somebody that can help them win games next year. Then that's what matters because right now his contract is way underwater. It's historically he's had up years and down years. Um, if you look at his track record, the odd number of years tend to be the better ones. And that's really the only hope you can pin yourself to at the moment, because this was just a disastrous start to his big contract. Yeah. So we'll go to the final prediction here, which was Jorge Soler will be an NL gold glove finalist. He made some nice plays. He started off pretty well and he will not be a left fielder or a right fielder or a center fielder next season. He will be a DH every day in 2023. So 0-1 here, another wrong prediction here on my end. So I think that's where we'll where we will wrap it up. Um, if anyone has any last words to say and what type of predictions we shall make for next season, hopefully those are a lot better than these. But some of these were good. I'll, I'll say that Joey Wendell was a good one. Uh, the Yuri one could have been a good one. Max Meyer could have been a good one if he had made starts. Miggy Rose still holds hope. Um, what else? Uh, are best I'll, I'll, give, I'll give a very way too early bold prediction for next year. Go for it. Go for it. And that will be that Avi Garcia leads all position players in war next season. 
Okay. That's the next one there. I, Isaac's. And I, position players, Sandy, Pablo, Trevor, Lazardo. No. Position players. Okay. Just making sure. So, so not quite as bold as, as mine, but still bold nonetheless if that does come to fruition. Yeah. Uh, for anybody listening, it'd be if you guys can go back into your memory banks and call out some of your own bad, bold predictions, that would make us yeah. feel better. So, so just let us know some things that you felt with a lot of conviction. This, remember, these were from the middle of spring training. If you could put yourself back into that mindset, it's hard to do. It is hard to believe we held some of these opinions back when we did because of how poorly they've aged. It's hard to do, but that's what makes them fun in the first place. And that's why I remember I, I encourage people to go very bold entering the year. We all have some baseline agreement about what players are capable of doing. But it's always fun to push yourself a little bit more. I mean, the best case, of course, is Sandy winning the Cy Young. I, I don't think that was that was a safe opinion entering the year. But there are situations where players do go above and beyond what you think that they're capable of. So well, this is a fun exercise every year. Um, probably not quite as fun this year as in some other years with the way that the season has gone and the way that me individually have performed this year. I wouldn't question. I wouldn't. But I wouldn't really. If people lose their trust in me based on some of these picks. I wouldn't blame them whatsoever. We'll do better in 2023. We will. I do believe we will do a lot better in 2023. And that is where we will wrap up this episode. As always, Isaac, thank you for always being here. Eli, always behind the scenes today with us here as well. We have some cool episodes coming up, cool guests coming up. This will be a long off season. So hopefully you guys stick with us and we'll see you guys all in the next one. Peace out and go fish. We got to end it off right.